Hey everybody, welcome into the I Want to Know podcast. I am your host, Greg Jones, and I'll be leading you on this inquisitive departure into audio wisdom. This week on the show, we have Mona Lott, drag queen comedian extraordinaire. She's a lot of fun, but I will warn you guys, if you're expecting a family-friendly show, this will not be the one for you. If you've got kids with you, if you just don't like the uh, adult language and discussion, you may want to skip this show. You may want to move on to the next one. Listen to a couple of your favorites that we've already had. I apologize if you fall into that category, but it is going to be a fun show if you can stick through it. Before we get to Mona, I want to say thank you to Marcus Allen on the last episode. He is the 9-11 conspiracy theorist. I've had a lot of people uh, giving me their opinions on him, on all of his theories. All sorts of things. A lot of uh, thought-provoking conversation we had on that last show. So if you haven't listened to it, I suggest you do. So thanks to him. Thanks to you guys for getting that stuff to me. It's been a lot of fun hearing all your opinions and and seeing what you guys thought of the episode. So thank you for that. Thank you, of course, for just listening in general. And thank you, of course, for you guys telling your friends and your family about the show. We don't have any advertising. We just have you guys. And it's been nice. It's been nice getting the word out and, and seeing it grow little by little. So thank you so much. All right, enough of that. Let's get right into today's show. Joining me on the phone, you may have seen her on Comedy Central, the Game Show Network, maybe even NBC. She has performed at the Hollywood Improv, Los Angeles Comedy Store, headlined the Short Bus Comics Show in Las Vegas. Uh, She holds all the balls in her one-woman bingo show, which you may have heard of, Ball Bustin' Bingo, and also hosts her own show, Stripped Down Stand-Up, over there in Denver. Her new show, Mona Lott's Big Fat Dirty Game Show, promises to be lots of fun. Uh, Dubbed the show for the socially unacceptable My Kind of Show. She was also named Denver's Outstanding Drag Queen by Outfront Colorado in 2014 and uh, is just getting more and more popular than ever. Excuse me. Welcome to the show, Mona Lott. Hi there. How are you doing? (laughs) I am fantastic. How are you? I'm Fabulous, darling. <laughs> Mona, I got to start off by saying that I've I've watched some of these YouTube clips you sent me. You are a fucking hoot. Well, thank you, darling. You know, usually I don't hoot unless I've eaten some beans. But <laughs> oh my gosh, can you uh, before we get into the background and everything else? Can you tell everybody what to expect when they come out to a a, a show hosted by Mona Lot? Um, you can expect a lot of praying. Um, we <laughs> do uh, sing a lot of Bible hymns. Oh, good. Um, no, no, I'm totally kidding. Uh, my show, if you come up to my show, first of all, be prepared to be offended. <laughs> if I ain't offending somebody, I'm not doing my job. But um, basically, <laughs> it's pretty irreverent. I have a lot of fun, and I have fun with the audience. I love to get the audience involved in my shows. There's so much interaction in all of my shows. Um, but you know, really, I don't pick on anybody. I really don't. I mean, that's just not part of my scheme, you know. So you don't find the most uh, nervous-looking, uncomfortable guy in the back and try to pick on him a little bit. Well, it wouldn't be picking on him, and and I do understand boundaries, you know. And um, it's if I if I see somebody's uncomfortable, I'm going to try to get them to laugh. I'm going to try to get them to be part of it. But if they're really not into it, I'm not going to force somebody and make them even more uncomfortable. That's not fun for them or fun for me. That's true. Might be fun for others, but uh, very, very respectful of you, I should say. Obviously, we've got a little, a little taste of Mona. Tell us 
who Mona is? You know, I, that is so hard for me to answer. <laughs> um, she, 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 you know, she's Mona's. Um, she's a Spitfire. She's a diva. She's me. She's. Um, she, I, I like to say that she is the ringmaster at all my shows, and that by the end of the show, she should be everybody's best friend. I like that. Is Mona wearing the most makeup in the room? Uh, generally. <laughs> If you don't mind, uh, if you don't mind me telling everybody your real name, is that okay? Um, that's all right, I guess, but the witness protection program is not going to be happy with me. <laughs> they can come talk to me first. So for those of you who have seen Mona Lot, you, uh, you definitely know the character. You, you know the, the shenanigans, if you will. Uh, Mona is played by Todd Simmons, and I wanted to kind of get into the upbringing of Todd that went into Mona and, and all that going on. Um, so if that's okay with you, Todd, and or Mona. Perfectly fine with me. All right. How long have you had uh, Mona, what would you call her, a, a you know split character, split ego, uh, a different side of Todd? How would you describe that? Um, you know, I would say she's a character, and... Being that I've been an actor for almost 40 years, I'd say she's no different than any other character I ever played. Um, you know, I played Buffalo Bill Cody and Annie Get Your Gun, and I put on <laughs> a wig and a fake mustache and, you know, skin-tight jeans and leather leather chaps. It's no different, you know? But is she a little more personal to you? Is like the flip side of you? Um, I would say she's more personal to me only in the sense that I wrote her and I created her. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a playwright that created this role and gave it to me and told me what to say. You know, I created the character myself and, um, when she talks, she's pretty much saying what I would say. Just kind of a more, um, you know, out there version of you per se. Mm, Yeah, in a way. I mean, I think she gets away with a lot more than I would and she's able to say things that I couldn't get away with saying. Um, in my shows, you know, I call everybody bitches. All my audience, bitches. <laughs> I like that. It's a positive, you know, it's a positive thing. It's you know, I I think bitches are a good thing. Um, but you know, as a three hundred pound, forty seven year old man, if I called a woman a bitch, I'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> That's but, pretty true. But when Mona says, "Hey, my bitch," it's a total different thing. Yeah, somehow it becomes okay all of a sudden. It's it's okay then. Yeah, I like that. So, uh, how long? have you been doing Mona for? Uh, gee, it's been almost 10 years now, I think. Um, I was living in Las Vegas, and I was working as a gondolier at the Venetian, uh, singing opera on the boat, and oh, wow. we got laid off for about six weeks, and I had a book that I bought in L.A. called How to Stand a Comic, and I never read it. But I saw an audition notice, and they were looking for stand-ups, and they didn't want conventional stand-up comics. They wanted characters. They wanted you to be, you know, a P.B. Herman, something like that. Sure. And so I thought, what the hell? I read the book. I wrote a five-minute set and put this character together, and I went and auditioned, and then I headlined the show for two and a half years. <laughs> do you still use any of that original set, or do you look back now and go, oh, my oh, God, you know, that's yeah, horrible? Actually, um, several of the jokes from that original set I'm still using. That's funny. A lot of times you hear people will, oh, that original set was so horrible, blah, blah, blah. Well, my original set I don't think was that great, but <laughs> but several of the jokes from that set were still good. Um, but, you know, a lot of it I dropped, but there's still there's still jokes I still tell from that original set. Funny. So the, the character 
came about from being laid off. Had you done stand-up before Monolot was around? I had never done stand-up. I had wanted to do it for a long time and was just too afraid. And that's why I bought the book in L.A. and then just never bothered to read it. That's funny. I, I've honestly, I'm, I know a couple of comedians. I've never heard. Uh, I bought the book and uh, hit the stage. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, the crash course into teaching yourself how to be a comedian. Um, well, that's kind of who I've been my whole life. I've always taught myself. I mean, I started studying magic when I was six years old, and I did magic shows all through high school. But and I taught myself how to do all of it. Are you a pretty good magician? Um, I don't, I think I was, I don't know if I'd say I'm a pretty good magician now. I, I mean, I, I studied and I, and I think I was a good magician at the time. I think, I don't know. Have you heard of the magic castle out here in LA? Of course. I think Mona Lott should definitely have a set at the magic castle. Well, I wish you would set that up darkly from your ears. <laughs> I may know I some people. Have friends. I actually have friends who performed it to the Magic Castle, but uh, they're doing magic there most, mostly. So I like it. That would I I would buy tickets to go see Mona Lot the Castle. That's all I'm saying. I think that'd be fantastic. Well, you keep saying that loud enough to enough people, darling. <laughs> Let's open that. Hashtag Mona at the Castle, everybody. Get it going. I love it. I'll call my people. All none of them. All right. So you came up not doing comedy. You came up as an actor. Um, yeah, I've been actually acting since I was a kid. It was something I wanted to do from a very young age, and I think I did my first play in the sixth grade and um, did an ultra junior high in high school. I performed in every play I could. And did you go to uh, college for that afterwards? or? I did. Um, I was In high school, I think I was also playing in the band. I was in all the choirs, and uh, so I was very involved in the performing arts, and I went to... Uh, the University of Northern Colorado for a year where I was a music theater major. And then I transferred to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City. So uh, acting in high school, college, what have you been in any um, any films or anything that people would you know generally recognize? Um, I've done some indie films. I don't know that anybody's seen them. Um, I also worked on a web series here in Denver. I uh, had one of the leads in... Uh, called The Art of Acting Out, and I know it's on YouTube. They've released it, but um, I don't know that it's been seen a wide spread. But uh, I did do the um, the Gong Show for Comedy Central. Oh, really? Um, that was a lot of fun. And I was also on One Versus 100 with Carrie Ann and Nava. The Gong Show, were you a contestant on there? I, well, you know, that was interesting. I uh, Yeah, I thought I was to be a contestant. Um, this was when uh, Dave Mattel did the remake for Comedy Central. And, right, like eight, um, ten years ago. And, yeah, yeah. And I was I was doing a play in Las Vegas that Rita Rudner had wrote, and her husband was directing us. And so they called me, and they wanted me to come out to L.A. to shoot. And I kept saying, well, you know, can we reschedule for a different day because I was doing the play. And they finally said to me, so we, we don't think you understand. We don't want you for one day. Dave wants you to be in every episode. <laughs> and... Yeah, they were planning to use me like the Jean Jean dance machine from the original series. Okay. And, yeah, and so I went out, and we shot the first episode where I was a contestant, and then I was to be on the rest of the episodes. Well, I guess the standards and practices guy had a problem with that. Um, basically, they thought it was unfair and somehow showed that I would have a slight advantage. 
as a contestant because they wanted me to be on the rest of the show. So then they couldn't use me on the rest of the show. They could only use me as a contestant. Um, uh, but Dave did email me and said, if the show got picked up, you would have me back the next year. And of course it never got picked up. Yeah. Wow. That's great. But wasn't that the whole point yeah. of you being there every time was to have the unha- unfair advantage? Yeah, it was my, you know, my shot at stardom just fell to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to Comedy Central. Um, well, that's Hollywood for you. Well, that is also true. And you were on um, uh, 1 versus 100, right? That Yeah, that was really fun. I did that. With, uh, I was part of the mob on that, but I was one of the featured mob members. So they actually came to me several times, and I got to, uh, I got to run some smart aleck remarks out. <laughs> Nice. And was this, were either of those as Mona or was this as just Todd? No, both of those were as Mona. Oh, that's fantastic. Now I got to go start digging through some YouTube. Yeah, there you go. This, this sounds fantastic. I think people would enjoy it. I'll have to see if I can find it, post it up on the Facebook I page. have the, the clip from the Gong Show I do have on my YouTube page. Oh, then I'm going to be stealing that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> With permission, of course. Borrowing, I should say. You can use it all you want. <laughs> Thanks. Um, all right. So we we had some uh, game show experience. Tell us a little about being on stage. Um, how is how is Mona received by the crowds generally? I, you know, uh, not all all drag queens are gay. You happen to be gay, and uh, do you ever run into any sort of you know uber straight rednecks out there that are just like, what the hell is this? You know, usually I don't, only because I think people know when they come to my show, they know what they're coming to, and the rednecks aren't going to come see me. I, I would hope um, not. But I have I have done showcases at different bars and places where there were some in the audience. Um, I, I've been lucky enough, though, because I think they usually pretty much get shot down. I think um, people told me, you know, I'm such a big character, and they say that I'm actually somewhat threatening when I hit the stage. Oh, um, just I think because I'm so loud and overbearing and because I'm so confident that I think a lot of times these rednecks, they, they're too afraid to say anything. That makes sense. You know, it's kind of like the whole bully thing. If you stand up to a bully, they kind of back down. So I, I could see that working. Yeah. And if, they, and if they are, you know, courageous enough to yell something nasty out to me, I know how to shut them down really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Have you have you had any maybe not necessarily uh, homophobic but have you had any really bad hecklers that you have stories about? I have I had hecklers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, not very often, but um, I I actually kind of like when they do heckle me because it it really leads to some other comedy. Um, you know, my favorite remark when I get a heckler, especially a redneck, is I'll just come right back immediately and be like, darling, when I want to hear from you, I'll take my dick out of your mouth. No, shut up. <laughs> I love that. That is so great. And yeah, it shuts them up pretty quick. <laughs> I would assume so, especially those, uh, you know, those redneck types who are not all about having the dicks in their mouth. Well, you know, if you when a heckler, if you can, if you can make the audience laugh at them, it turns the audience against that person, and they learn pretty quick to shut up. I would imagine. Um, yeah. So I want to find out uh, about these shows a little more. Before we get into those, I kind of wanted to, if you don't mind, um, talk about you kind of growing up, uh, you know, coming out of the closet. All this. I like to, whenever I interview somebody and whatever the topic is, I really like to kind of get into their background. Um, you know, people out here in L.A., uh, you know, it's not a weird thing to, to know gay people. But I know people in other states, uh, other redneck areas, if you will, that's that's a little bit more 
closeted, closeted, uh, you know, pardon the pun. But um, so if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to talk about your background a little bit. Sure. I mean, it's weird for me to know gay people. <laughs> it can be that weird in Colorado, right? No, actually, it's not. I didn't think so. I frankly, I don't think it's that weird anyway, really. I mean, I don't think it's a matter of being weird so much as it's a matter of what people um, are, are are not exposed to, really. Yeah, you know, that, that small-town mentality where they're just not used to it, I guess, is, is what yeah, I'm thinking Yeah, I, I think as soon as somebody's actually exposed to a gay person and they find out that, you know, one of their relatives is or, you know, somebody that they know, I think it changes their opinions pretty quick. Yeah, I would certainly hope so. Um, so if you don't mind me asking, you know, how old were you when you kind of figured it out? Uh, I think I was six. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was pretty early. Yeah, I, I as a kid, I, I pretty much knew that I liked other boys. Okay. I didn't know, at the time, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what the word gay was. I didn't know what, you know, being a homosexual was. I just knew I liked other other boys. Sure, while your friends were chasing girls, you didn't care. Uh, no, I was wanting to choose a boy. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you, when you came out to like your parents? Well, you know, I was, um, I was 21 when I came out. I, but I didn't come out to my family right away. Um, in fact, it was, it was probably about three years later that I, that I came out to my sister and then the rest of my family, I never really came out to them. They just kind of, we just, it was just kind of unspoken and they knew and we you know, we accepted it. Nobody said anything. Okay. Did they, have they ever seen the, the moan a lot or anything like that? They, my entire family seen several of my shows. They've been many times now. <laughs> so that, that's not weird for them to come to a show? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I thought it would be, um, for the longest time. I thought for sure my dad would have a problem with it, but he's been several times and, uh, he seems to get a, he seems to get a kick out of it. I mean, I think they realize and because they've seen me, you know, performing my whole life, and I think they get it that it's just another character, but I'm just still performing. I don't think they take. I mean, that's the thing about drag. I mean, I think it's had such a negative connotation mm-hmm. for so long, and I thankfully because of RuPaul's Drag Show, I think it's becoming more mainstream, and people are starting to realize the artistry in it. And I think that's what my family sees. I think they understand that this is this is art. This is still me performing, and this is me taking all the that I've learned over the years and putting them into my own show and my own character. Yeah, and I must say, straight, gay, doesn't matter what you are, uh, drag shows are some of the funnest things in the world. They, they can be. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, I'm sure you could find some bad ones, but I've been to some pretty fantastic oh, drag shows. Yeah, you know, excuse the pun, but there are plenty that are truly a drag. So. <laughs> I could imagine there could be some some bad ones in the mix. Would you say that being gay has either positively or negatively affected your career? You know, it's, I think it's positively affected my career. I mean, sure, there are things that hold me back by the fact that I'm gay. Um, I'm sure there have been bookings that I didn't get because I'm gay or because I'm a drag queen. Um, but they wouldn't ever tell me that. They wouldn't say it's because of that. They just don't book me. Of course. Um, but for the most part, I think it has given me an original voice, and it gives me a place to speak from, and that it's been very positive for me. You kind of give yourself a, a bit of a soapbox there. Uh, exactly. That's, that's exactly it. And, and 
I believe too that um, because of it, that I, it gives me that vulnerability that makes me very likable on stage, and I think it gives my audience something to relate to. Speaking of being on stage, I I want to know because not everybody's in Denver or the ones that are, are going to need to know why I want to know about your different shows. So first of all, tell them, tell us a little bit about the short bus comic show. Well, that show was actually in Las Vegas. That was the first show I ended up ever doing. That was the one you were headlining. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And that show was, that was just a crazy show. There were a lot of very strange characters on that show. (laughs) It it truly was the short bus show. It really was the standups were all a little out there. Like I said, they were all characters. They weren't, they didn't want conventional. We had a, um, you know, just everything you could imagine. Really. Well, it's Vegas after all. Right. We had a comic that was, you know, an alien and we had a comic that did balloons, crazy balloon animals. <laughs> and, you know, a comic who wore nothing but a skimpy little bikini. Well, that's not so bad. It might not have been. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, you might have enjoyed it. But of course, she wasn't funny, so it was a good thing she was wearing the bikini. I, I guess if you're not going to be funny, you got to have some reason to be up on stage. Yeah, I guess so. you got to have a reason. Uh, you know, sex sells, so if you got the titties, show <laughs> That's for sure. Are there any crazy stories from that show? A lot of backstage drama from that show. All right, what about the uh, the ball-busting bingo? I've been to some drag bingo before, and that's a, that's a whole lot of fun. Um, yeah, it can be true. I mean, actually... That show came about by accident as well. Um, I saw an audition notice they were looking for drag queens to do a drag queen bingo show at a theater. And I went and interviewed with them, and uh, she really had no idea what she wanted to do. They didn't have a show. They didn't know how to do it, what to do. And they hired me, and so I put the show together. And I knew when I took it that I didn't want to just play bingo. I'd been to several drag queen bingo shows where the drag queens just called the numbers and and, you know, played the game, and they would make, you know, a comment here and there. Sure. But I wanted my show to be interactive, and I wanted it to be a show. I wanted there to be some performance involved. So uh, what's, what do people, what should they expect when they come to a ball bust and bingo? Well, they can expect to play bingo. Well, there's that. Mostly they can expect to play some wild and crazy games, because what I did was, as part of the bingo games, I also invented games that we played during bingo. And I'll bring people up on the stage and we'll do like, for instance, we do strip bingo. And oh. I have three people on stage and every time I call a number that they don't have on their card, they have to take something off. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, and they don't know it when they come up on stage what they're about to play. And uh, so it makes for some very interesting games. I actually had like a seven-year-old woman on stage once oh, dear. for strip bingo. And she was a blast. She was hysterical. How did that go? It was, you know, it was really funny because she would be, she, I would say, I would call a number and she'd kind of look sheepish and I'd look over and I'd say, Mabel, do you have B21? And she'd go, no, but I have B22. Is that close enough? <laughs> and I was fun because I had a guy named Calvin on the stage, really young, very attractive. The girls were loving him and so was I. Of course. And so Mabel, Mabel would say, no, I don't have that number. And I'd look at Calvin and I'd go, Calvin, take something off. And he'd say, that's not fair. And I'm like, respect your elders, Calvin. This is my show. Now take something off. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Um, any, oh, it was a blast. any uh, not backstage, but any 
front stage drama ever come from one of those? Uh, drama? I don't think we... We always have so much fun during the bingo show. I don't think I've ever had any drama. No one's refused to play the strip uh, bingo? Oh, no. They um, they can be very sheepish about it. And the thing is, I'm not getting anybody naked anyway. It's just for fun. And the most anybody's really ever taken off is, you know, a few pieces of clothing. It's not like anybody's, you know, showing the tatas. <laughs> That's too bad. Uh, and then what about uh, Mona Lott's Big Fat Dirty Game Show? What, what's the game show? Well, that show actually came about because of the bingo show. We were having so much fun playing the side games that I thought, well, why why even do the bingo at all? Why not put a show together that is strictly and purely these fun, crazy, minute-to-win-it type games and do it as a game show? And so that's the show that I uh, most recently put together, and I'm trying to get that one booked out right now. What kind of games do you play? Well, like, you know, um, I play a game called Swing That Thing, which is from the bigger show, and I make, uh, I have three people on stage. We put out a bowling pin in front of each one of them, and then we blindfold them, and we make them put on a very large strap-on dildo (laughs) that um, they have to swing between their legs to knock over the bowling pin. That's hilarious. That's just one of the fun little games we like to play. <laughs> just one of the many. That's right. I have several games, and they're 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 all a little bit crazy, but they're all a lot of fun. And of course, I give out a lot of prizes for it too. Of course, what what type of prizes do you give out? Um, <laughs> well, the bingo show is sort of the same way. We would have for the actual bingo game. If you want bingo, we have some fairly fairly decent prizes. But uh, for my silly little games that we're playing on the side. I would go to the dollar store just buy really crazy stuff. And it's amazing how much fun people have with that and how they really like it. So a lot of the prizes in the game show are um, dollar store type prizes, but sure. there's some really good prizes in the mix. And I actually made the prize giving in the show a game as well. Uh, we do it like deal or no deal. So they don't know what prize they're going to get. And they basically, you know, they know that there's, you know, 30, bo- 30 boxes on stage and each has a prize. And some of them are good and some of them aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me that uh, if you win the, the uh, was it called Swing That Thing, the bowling one? Swing That Thing, yeah. yeah. If you win that, do you get to keep the strap-on? Are you kidding me? They have to give my dicks back. <laughs> oh, man. You're collecting dicks I'm now. I'm not letting my dicks go. <laughs> you need all the dicks you can get. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, so much fun! I I wish I was closer to Denver because uh, this sounds like quite the night. Well, maybe I'll bring the show to L.A. Who knows? Please bring the show to L.A. and work on your magic, and let's get you out to the Magic Castle. Do you think I should go back to doing magic? I, God I, knows I put enough things in my ass. I should be able to pull some out. <laughs> you made them disappear. That's magic. That's exactly right. For those of you who are looking to find Mona Lot, you can get her on Facebook. Just search for Mona Lot on Twitter at Queen Mona Lot, and it's M O N A L O T T. Or of course, MonaLot.org is the the website. Mona, thank you so much for uh, telling us about all your dicks and strap-ons tonight. Well, I always like to share if I can, darling. <laughs> Everyone needs a little dick, right? I love to share my dick. <laughs> but as long as you get them back. That's right. As long as you get them back. You can only tie them on for a little while. 
I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us, and good luck on collecting more dicks. Well, thank you very much, Darlin. I appreciate you having me on the show. Thanks again to Todd, a.k.a. Moan a lot. A lot of fun. It's really interesting learning about, uh, you know, other aspects of the entertainment industry. So once again, moanalot.org, M-O-N-A-L-O-T-T.org, at Queen Mona Lot on Twitter, and of course, look for her on Facebook. Of course, you can find this show on Facebook, facebook.com slash I Want to Know Show. On Twitter, at I Want to Know Show. Give us some likes and some follows and all that good stuff. The website, of course, I Want to Know Show.com. There's always bios of each guest, as well as ways to listen, and so much more. If you guys want to send an email, if you want to discuss one of the shows, you got some suggestions, some questions for an upcoming guest, anything like that, it's I want to know pod at gmail.com. I know I said this last episode, but I'm going to say it again, because uh, some scheduling got moved around and things got mixed up, and uh, well, here we are. So next episode, I will be talking with Charlotte Kemp, former Playboy Centerfold, Miss December 1982. She has a book out called Centerfolds, A Collection of Stories. Of course, that's by her, Charlotte Kemp. Uh, Still hot, all these years later. And the book is a really, really fun read. It's all about her and other girls' stories about living in the mansion, coming up as a Playboy model. It's a lot of insight to the Playboy mansion. So that will be next week. So once again, thanks to you guys. Thanks to Mona Lot for joining. And on that note, good night, everybody. <laughs>